Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other stories and learn from listening. This is your host, Zoe Komar. This week's episode is brought to you by iMove. They provide physical therapy, but more importantly, they promote wellness. They have always known that wellness is a result of balance in the body, mind, and spirit. Emotional experiences can produce physical pain just as quickly as physical injuries can. As proud sponsors of the Share Chair Podcast, they want to remind everyone to take care of all aspects of their physical and mental health. Now, we get into it. So, Anna Prince, welcome to the Share Chair Podcast. <laughs> Thank you for letting me be here. <laughs> of course. You know, one of, the, one of the things we try to do is just say, you know, every person has a story and that story is worth telling. And um, maybe, you know, first of all, we're neighbors. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> More or less. <laughs> I can walk to your house in under five minutes, so it's oh, pretty much close. Five minutes would be a snail's pace, I, <laughs> I feel like. So, yeah, it's great. I, you know, um, and, and, and so welcome not only Anna Prince, but welcome neighbor to the Share Chair podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have you here. I, you know, so so our the way that we think about the podcast is just that we can't know each other until we know each other. So, Anna, I mean... When you think about that, uh, every person has a story. What do you think of as your own story? Well, my own story, I guess, just being an older, the the eldest child in the house, having a lot of responsibility through that. And recently, as quarantine hit, I've had a lot of time to grow as well with like gender identity and sexual orientation, which has helped me a lot, like discover who I am as well. Because now I'm like identify as non-binary and bi, and it's helped me a lot grow as a person throughout the like quarantine, like search that I had for myself. Oh, this is interesting. Like that, the quarantines just allowed you time. Is that kind of Mm -hmm. what's going on? I remember back in like elementary school and early middle school, almost all of my after school time was filled up with things to do. And having quarantine was like a, whoa, I can actually relax for once. This is kind of nice. And me being like a very introverted person, I didn't really have many places to go anyway. So staying in my room was just a lot of fun and I got kind of used to it. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more. I mean, you, so it's been a a year, you know, almost a year since we kind of stayed home uh, last spring, March 13. And... Would you say that this, like, ability to think to be a little bit slower started already right away, or were you panicked last year at this time? Or it's uh, there's a lot that you've said already that I want to kind of pick apart. Let's start with the quarantine though. Like, how'd that feel last year when you were going through it? At first, I feel like I was like a lot of other people, like, oh, this won't last long. It's like maybe an extended spring break sort of thing. And then after spring break, when they were like, yeah, we're going to keep everything shut down, I was like, oh, this is happening. This is getting real. And at that point, I was like, oh, okay, let's try to make the best of it. And me, again, being introverted, really had nothing else to do. So I tried hanging out with my siblings more and trying to like figure out what I could do to fill my time because sitting at home got kind of boring. But for the most part, I was like, oh, okay, I guess we'll just try this now and see what I can do about it. Okay, so try this now, see what I can do about it, meaning? Meaning just, like, maybe trying new things, because I know I wrote a song over the beginning, like, towards the beginning within the first month, 
and I got a bunch of new puzzles and we had like family puzzle time where we would each help each other make a puzzle and then the next person got to choose a new one and as well I tried my best trying to like help my sister prepare for food and stuff but at that point I was just no longer allowed in the kitchen. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't go that well? No it did not. (laughs) Did you have a particularly failed attempt? I somehow managed to burn microwave nachos. Like, I would flip the plate over and it would not come off of the plate. Like, it was just stuck to the plate. Not a success story. Not a success <laughs> whatsoever. Um, so, you, how many siblings do you have? And, and by the way, I really do want to talk about gender identity and, and non-binary language and, mm-hmm. and identity. L- let's get there in just a second. But you also talked about during this being... a a better older sibling is that the terminology you used or I would say so because at the time we had Grace and then we also had a foster kid over who I really consider to be my brother and having to like try to help those two with their schoolwork as well as do my own and make sure everybody was having like a good time and trying not to freak out over what was happening like taught me about the a lot about responsibility and stuff and trying to make sure hey we got to keep this control and we got to help the others and make sure everything is okay so I feel like it's helped me try to become a better older sibling and not like just another person that might get in the way because I know sometimes I would just seem like I was there not doing much and trying to help as best as I could has helped me grow a lot as well as an older sibling so that was mostly schoolwork. Um, mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, sometimes I would be helped with like puzzles again and sometimes video games, but for the most part it was schoolwork and trying to help figure things out around the house. Yeah, okay, okay. How is it to be a foster sibling? What's that experience like? It was strange at first, but then I got more and more used to it and stuff. And as we've had Kim's kids come in and out over time, it's made it like a lot easier to get used to it. And honestly, I kind of like I kind of like it and liked it because we're still continuing foster care. Yeah, uh-huh. But just being able to help others, especially kids that like came from my mom's district who already know me, has made it a lot easier. And just seeing how the younger ages deal with things as well, because all of them have been younger than me at this point. Okay. And so just seeing like new things and hearing their stories was pretty cool as well. Uh, yeah, that's, that's incredible. Do you now... Um, how long have you been doing, have your parents been doing foster? And by the way, you said my mom's district, which means, um, you know, for those who, who don't know, your mom is a teacher. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and so that's what, that's what you're indicating that she might even have foster students from her own district. Now, um, how long have you been doing fostering as a family? You said a, mm. longer than a year you've been doing it. It's been longer than a year. I believe it was end of eighth grade and you're in 10th grade now Mm -hmm. so it's been about two years that you've been doing fostering do you remember the discussion at all in that eighth grade year when your parents sort of proposed that you became foster family or did you feel like how did what was that process like when when you know your family agreed to it well I know we had been thinking about foster care for like a couple years beforehand and thinking about doing it especially my parents with me and Grace going into like middle school and the intermediate building but then like halfway through eighth grade they sat us down and they were like hey would you guys care or mind if we had foster kids and Grace and I were like oh yeah that would be fine as long as they're like younger than both of us or in between our age ranges 
and as long as like we can you would you think we can handle them and so my parents were like okay good to know and about a couple weeks later they were like hey there's these two kids both former students of moms who need a foster home because the people they are currently staying with cannot currently handle them as Mm -hmm. well as the two-year-old sister that they had. And so we were like, yeah, it'd be fine if they moved in with us. And so just like having conversation, we talked about it, talked about like where they would stay, of course, and what kind of people they were in general and how we could help them like transition into living in our house. So it was pretty easy for me, at least, because I was like, okay, this will be fine. I can get along in this routine. Whereas Grace, it was kind of harder for her because okay. mm-hmm. mm-hmm. she is a people person, but it was a bit overwhelming for her at first. But overall, it was pretty easy and pretty simple. You know, I don't want you to speak too much for Grace, um, but was it? did you find that it was just like routines were off? Like, do, would you think that's what Grace's experience was? or From what I know... Grace is a very emotional person. She likes expressing emotions and she likes it when like people give her attention because we all crave attention. Sure, of course. But she, of <laughs> course, was like, yay, I'm the youngest child. It makes it easier for me to like be able to talk to my parents and have a lot of fun and stuff. A bit hard for her to be like, oh, there's another kid in here now. How is this going to work? Yeah. So it was a bit, for her, I feel like it was a bit overwhelming, but then she slowly got used to it. Well, that's, that, what a unique, I mean, it really is part of your family story now. I mean, I know it's just been a couple of years, but it seems like it's going more well than not. And I think it's pretty awesome that your family would be open to it, that you and Grace uh, welcome it as well. It says a lot about you. Mm-hmm. You know, so... You said that during the quarantine, you tried to become kind of a stronger, better, more responsible, older sibling, but that you also learned a lot about gender identity and non-binary existence and language. Can you tell us about that journey and and how that's been for you? Mm -hmm. Well, for, for the past couple of years, I remember when I identified as a girl, I was like, oh, okay, this is weird, but why do guys always seem to be, like, treated differently? And then I started feeling like, wait, what if I wanted to maybe try that? And then when I tried being more, like, guy-ish, I was like, okay, this isn't quite it for me either. So then I was, like, watching videos on YouTube just one day, and the term non-binary came up. And Mm -hmm. I was like, ooh, what is this? And so I looked more into it, and it was like, yeah, it's not identifying as either. It's sort of like its own little thing. It's like gender nonconforming. And I was like, ooh, this seems like a nice thing. And that was like back in, I would say, early August. And I was like, oh, this seems kind of nice. So I started slowly going like she, they pronouns, and then now I use they, them for the most part. And so just doing it, I feel more comfortable with myself and just overall with who I am. And it's helped me just to grow a lot and realize, hey, there are other things besides just guy and girl. There are like other parts of like the world and communities and stuff. And I was like, ooh, this seems pretty nice. And honestly, I'm enjoying it and I feel way more comfortable with myself than I did beforehand. That's a powerful experience to find, to to finally find some enjoyable experience in the way that you identify yourself. May I, so you... You really have to help me understand, and I think you're going to help listeners understand as well. Um, What was not feeling right 
about the she her experience um, specifically. And then I, I would also like to say the him and he experience later. Um, but but specifically with the the she her experience, what well, wasn't quite feeling right? It just for me just didn't again just didn't feel right like I felt like I was missing something like a part of me and every time someone would be like oh she's really nice or like use she her I was like hmm why does this make me feel kind of like uncomfortable and so especially being like oh it's just she's just a wonderful person and she could help you a lot and just she and her all around I was like hmm this just doesn't feel right. And then every time something would happen, like in advanced PE class, it was me and then two other girls, and then it was a bunch of guys. And the guys would always be like crowding together and just be me and the other two girls. And we would be like, oh, okay, this is strange. Why aren't there more of us here? Which is understandable because PE is not, advanced PE is not necessarily seen as a girl thing. So I was like, oh, okay. And I really wanted to like go hang out with the guys because it seemed pretty cool. And I understood a lot of what they were saying. And at that point it was like, but if I do that, they might think I'm weird or like hitting on them or something. So Uh, that wasn't comfortable for me at all. That's interesting that it kind of kept you, or again, correct me if I'm wrong, but it maybe was keeping you from friendships or from sort of engaging or interacting with with some guys that you thought would be fun to hang out with but that that the the gender norms would keep you from that yeah that's pretty much what it was and i remember one time during pe class everybody's like the guys call each other by their last name so i did that to one of them and one of the guys looked over and said hey don't do that that's a guy thing and i was like what do you mean it's a guy thing and he's just like well don't do it and that really confused me as well. And I was like, um, okay, then. I was like, that's not how I feel like it should be. So then I was just like, um, what do I do now? And since then, I just haven't really done that. And I've been careful what I said. And sure. then again, non-binary happened. And I was like, ooh. So then I started like redoing on the, like merging like what guys and girls would do and being like, ooh, this seems nice. I'll just do what I feel comfortable with. What, what you actually want to do and not mm-hmm. what is expected is that, I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. we'll kind of act how you want to act. And so, so when, when did this even kind of come into your brain? Was this like, I'm not saying even non-binary, just when you started feeling uncomfortable with this, she, her uh, sort of identity, was that, in high school was that in middle school was it earlier than that i would say probably like seventh and eighth grade is when it first started mostly beginning of eighth grade like realizing oh okay i'm a middle i'm now a middle schooler for another year let's see how things go and while that was happening i was like okay there seems to be a lot of girl and guy divide and that was when i had the advanced pe class okay between my classes, like the way girls would act versus guys would act, I would always be like alone by myself. Like this doesn't seem right. What okay. is happening? Yeah, fascinating. And and, and then um, you found that it was putting you in like being so binary was putting you in in difficult situations. Mm-hmm. And um, was this hard to mention to your parents? Was it? How did that go? Because I think a lot of teens from you know from my experience a lot of teens have a really hard time sort of opening up to parents what was your experience about this well for me i remember at first i was like okay let's test it with my friends to see how that works 
And after a while, I was like, oh, okay, this seems pretty nice. Let me tell my parents. So one day we sat down for dinner and I was just like, hey, can I tell you guys something? And they were like, sure. And I was like, hey, well, I would like to identify as non-binary and use they, them pronouns. And also, I also mentioned the fact that I was bi. And they were like, oh, okay then. And since then, they've been pretty much using the right pronouns and stuff for me. So it's been really like fun. And it's been a lot easier and making me feel a lot more comfortable. And my like cousins and aunts and uncles use it as well. But wow. our main concern is my grandparents, because both of them, both sets of grandparents lean very Republican and stuff. Okay. So we're just like waiting on a good time to try to tell them. Sure. At this point, so yeah, it's just so like waiting for them. But for the most part, my family knows that I'm non-binary and use they, them, and all that. Well, and we can keep that out of the uh, out of the podcast too. If that's oh no, you're com- it's completely fine if you keep it in. I don't mind at all. Well, we wouldn't want <laughs> yeah, my, <laughs> my 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 mom. We my mom and I had a conversation about this beforehand, and I was like, "Hey, can I mention this on the podcast?" And they're like, "Oh yeah, sure." And uh, but at first they were like, "Are you sure that grandma and grandpa might find out about this?" And I was like, "Well, they're gonna find out anyway at some point. Might as well just like <laughs> let them know." Okay. All right. Well, we'll. All right. So I mean, we'll see uh, then how that goes. That's okay. <laughs> Okay. Um, you, I would say, are a lucky one that your parents are listening to you, that they're trying to do what, what you're asking them to do. Um, I think that's, that's great. I mean, I'm glad that they've been so... I'm not surprised. I know them, so I'm not surprised. But I'm really happy to know that they've been accepting and uh, willing um, to, to, to kind of follow what you need right now. Mm-hmm. Do you feel that way too about your parents? Mm-hmm. I love my parents deeply and them just accepting it and being happy that like for who I am and me feeling comfortable as me has made me very happy as well. And just them overall being like, yeah, this is fine. We accept this and you're fine. Just live your life how you want to. And it's just been really helpful and making me a lot that made me very happy. Yeah, of course, of course, of course it has. I mean, it would make anyone right. I mean, it makes anyone to be accepted for who you are and how you feel. That's what it's about. Right. Um, and to feel loved. And so the fact that those people are in your home, uh, makes a world of difference for sure. So, um, did you said, did you try the him, uh, and he pronouns as well, him and his, um, pronouns as well? I think I tried to for like maybe two weeks is when it lasted. And I used like he, they, well, I used to all pronouns, but I was like, hey, could you try he, they? And they were li- my friends were like, oh, yeah, sure. And after two weeks, I was like, hmm, this doesn't feel quite right either. Okay. So then I went back to maybe she, hey, she, they for a bit. And then I was like, okay, it doesn't feel comfortable like that. Why don't we just try they, them overall? And okay. that's when I really started getting comfortable. So I could imagine some people like, I, so I hope you can speak to this. I could imagine some people listening are like, what, who cares about pronouns? You know, who, who cares? Like, just whatever. What would you say to a person who's like does maybe doesn't understand the power of pronouns? Pronouns can help like people feel happy and more comfortable with how they identify because when you don't use somebody's correct like preferred pronouns, 
then they get dysphoria, which makes them like feel uncomfortable and feel not welcomed in their body. And then when you use the right pronouns, it's euphoria and it gives them like happiness and joy and stuff that people are still like understanding them and accepting them. Because using incorrect pronouns can make it feel like you're not accepting that person. Where using the correct pronouns makes the, it feel like you are accepting them for who they are. Because some people can get really picky about pronouns where others just don't care. Okay, but you, where do you fall on that? Do you say you do care and it's... Well, for the most part, I guess. But if somebody slips up every now and then, I really don't mind as long as they, like, know, hey, make sure, could you try to use they, them next time? And for the most part, the people agree to do so. Sometimes you got those few people, but for the most part, again, people are like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm sorry. So I do... You know, it really sounds like people are responding positively, um, being at, at the very least respectful of what you want. Um, is it hard in the school setting sometimes to like, like, I, I, I can just imagine because correct me if I'm wrong, you you're keeping the name Anna. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> that's a, that's a funny story. Okay. <laughs> okay. And yes, you, you, my parents again said you could keep this part in cause we also had this discussion. Okay. So I, for the most part, when I'm around adults, adults, I go by Anna seeing as my mom, cause there was one time I went upstairs and I was like, Hey, do you think you could call me Aaron spelled A R I N? And my mom was like, my mom tried it for a little bit. And then she was like, Hey, could you go by Anna around adults, but then your friends can call you Aaron? And I, of course, was like, oh, yeah, I'm sure with that. So when it comes to, like, school and around adults, I go by Anna. But with my friends, they basically know me as Aaron at this point. So it's just uh, depending on who you're around and stuff. But for the most part, if you know me, then you can call me Aaron. Oh, okay. Okay. And um, do you – so at school, though, like, teachers, they see – Right. Teachers see a class list. They see a learning management system for us, Schoology list. And there is Anna. So I'm sure they're calling they're calling you Anna. That's OK mm-hmm. in the school setting. You're saying yeah, it's fine with me in a school setting because I don't want to like confuse people and stuff. OK, because I know sometimes that can be a thing. So for teachers, they can call me Anna and it doesn't really affect me. It's when people who know that my friends call me Aaron and that like students call me Aaron when they purposefully call me Anna to try to hurt me. That's when it gets under my skin. But for the most part, if I'm if like it's an adult, I'm like, yeah, just call me Anna. It's fine. Okay, And that whole that whole students calling you Anna to hurt may get hurt. Does that? happen quite a bit or is it not doesn't happen often but there was like i think since the school year started and i started going by aaron i think it's happened like maybe a couple times where they were doing it sometimes people do it sarcastically but for the most part it hasn't happened that often but there's still those few people who are just trying to do it of course and so how do you respond to those people what's your sort of reaction when that does inevitably happen Honestly, I just, like, glare at them and walk away because I don't okay. want to start anything. And yeah. I don't want, like, my friends to try to defend me or anything because I don't want to get people in trouble, nor do I want to get myself in trouble. Okay. So I just, like, usually, as I said, glare and walk away. Okay. And it's obviously, like, to me at least, it's an obvious reflection on them that they can't, on that, you know, that person that can't sort of be respectful or, or 
um, or understand or reach out to understand, which is why we need, you know, frankly, why we need to keep telling stories and try to educate people and all of that. Um, have you, uh, on the opposite side of this, on more the, the side of the school understanding. So I think there's, you know, in a school culture, you have an entire culture, right? You have people who are not understanding, who are not welcoming, who are not, um, going to do what you've asked them to do. But then have you also found sort of cultures or, or parts of the school that have been really welcoming? Um, yes, actually, especially my friends, but there's also the LGBTQ plus Alliance Club that we have at school, which okay. I am a part of. And I love that group of people a lot. And they're like a second family to me. And with them like spreading awareness throughout the school and having my friends also help spread awareness about it has been very helpful and just very enlightening for me. So I would say to combat the people who are like, no, this is a bad thing. There's way more of the people who are like, this is good than them. Okay. So, so when does the LGBTQ plus Alliance group meet? Every, other regular meetings? It's every other Thursday. Like there's one going on right now. Oh, there is. Oh, you're missing uh -huh. it. Oh, I'm so oh, sorry. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> you're fine. But it's like every other Thursday in Mrs. Okay. Boots' room. Okay, and but but anyone can show to that, yeah, right? Anybody, because it is alliance, yeah. so it's yeah. Anybody can show up, whether you're a part of the community or you're just an ally, and it's a lot of fun for the most part. For like the past couple of times, we've just been telling stories to each other as well, and like enlightening stories as well as I remember before Valentine's Day week, we were planning our ally week when yeah. we hung the flags in the commons and yeah. stuff. But now we just usually just like sometimes mess around. But for the most part, it's telling like enlightening stories about members of the community and how they helped as well as like s stories around school and stuff. Okay. As well as we just discuss, hey, what can we do to make the school a bit more accepting? And what can we do to help people understand like what's happening in the community and what people like me go through? Amazing. I mean, terrific. And so if a person shows up, they should expect... Uh, how long would they be there? I mean, just so that we can open up the meetings to more students who want to, to learn and, and kind of show themselves as, as allies. Normally, meetings are from 2.45 to 3.15. Though, honestly, we just start when we feel like everybody who's going to show up is there. Okay. So it can range from like 2.40 or like 2.45 to 2.15. To but we always end at 3.15 for the most part. Okay. And telling stories, kind of thinking about ways to educate. That's the main goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then how have you also found the theater department? Um, has this been a good uh, culture for you as well? Very much so. I remember I was really introduced to a theater, not as a freshman, but in eighth grade with Mamma Mia. They didn't have enough tech people, so my mom was like, hey, can you do this? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. And that helped me meet a lot of the high schoolers. So coming in as a freshman, I was like, okay, I know a lot of these people. They can help me out. And it has made it like a smooth transition. And all the theater kids are like, yeah, we'll call you Aaron. We'll use your right pronouns. You're just a part of our family. You haven't changed at all. Just like the pronouns and name. So it's been really fun. And I know that if anybody were to be mean to me, they would always to help defend me and always be there for me. And they're like, besides the uh, club, they're always like a second family to me as well. That's just terrific. And um, I know that you're working on a show right now. Mm -hmm. So tell us about that. I mean, tell us how that's going. 
So with Beauty and the Beast, it's going really well. So far, we've done a lot of like dancing and blocking, especially with Be Our Guest. And we're having specialty dancers, and I am one of them, oh, which cool. is like the napkins, which are the specialty dancers. And so working with that has been a lot of fun, trying to learn how to do different dances and different <laughs> styles and seeing how flexible you truly can be. As a napkin. <laughs> mm -hmm. And for the most part, it's been a lot of fun. And you get to really see, like, especially the incoming freshmen, you can see them coming out of their shells and, like, how fun they can be and how fun they feel and how accepted they feel in our little theater family. Theater family. Uh, isn't that uh, great to have communities that are accepting um, when sometimes the entire or the whole is, you know, can be and cannot be. It's so important to have pockets of places that that are are welcoming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. I um, so so but tell me a little bit more about Beauty and the Beast. Just maybe like when are we when can we expect to see it? And in COVID time, can we see it? Do you know these details? So at the moment, the uh, auditoriums are allowed to be at, I think, either 25 or half capacity. Oh, okay. I believe it's half at the moment. Okay. So we're going to try to do one live stream performance and then one in-person performance. Oh. We're having, like, especially we're having, like, a sponsor the costume because we're renting a majority of our costumes, cool. especially for the main characters. Cool. So it's, like, sponsors could get free tickets for the in-person ones and then, like, other things as well. And I think just the way we're doing it, we're trying to figure out how we can stream it at one point and then also have the like live people on another night. So just trying to figure out how those things will work throughout COVID. Okay. So when is this happening? When should we, we be like expecting all of this? I don't know exactly. Okay. I believe it is. I know for sure it's sometime in April, it's but I do not remember exactly when. Well, I think I might know. So I think it's late April and then very early May. So it might be like even April 29, 30, May 1. You know, I think it like crosses over. So we should at least, um, you know, for those of those who are listening to this episode before the end of April should be watching for um, links to the show uh, or, or tickets, you know, things like that. That's, that's great. Um, you know, Anna, Aaron, <laughs> uh, I don't know if I've reached the level of friendship for Aaron, for Aaron. I don't honestly care right now. <laughs> for Aaron or not. I just, you have a powerful story between a family that welcomes foster children and you getting used to being uh, an older sibling to foster siblings between the uh, sort of freedom and time to understand your own identity between finding communities here at school through theater and LGBTQ plus. I just, what a treat to, I'll tell you, you've been my neighbor for a long time now and I know you more in this half an hour than I have in our 11 years of being neighbors and it's really a pleasure talking to you for sure thank you so much thank you for having me now i do have one final question this is how we end all of our episodes on the share chair podcast if you had a piece of advice to give any listener anyone at all um what piece of advice would you give don't let others stand in your way if you know that they're going to be harmful in the future I've learned that very well from past friendships is don't let others stand in your way if you sense the red flags. Best to just 
kind of cut ties, would you say? Mm-hmm. Just let them go and, and yeah. find other people? Is that, yeah. Mm-hmm. If you, if you, yeah, if you have someone kind of bringing you down or, or, or making you feel less about yourself, best to let them, let them go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Boy, I mean, that's, you know, you want to educate the world. You want to tell everyone to, to, to be kind and be good, but, but that's not going to happen. Um, overnight it's not going to happen over over even years and years and years and decades and decades so sometimes you got to protect yourself by just by finding the right people and it sounds like you have yeah mm-hmm. yes very much so with all the friends i have through theater and clubs and stuff and your parents and my parents <laughs> that's just awesome uh thank you so much for being on the podcast Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Share Chair Podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode.